Would you turn please to 2 Corinthians the 4th chapter and Hebrews the 10th chapter. 2 Corinthians 4, Hebrews 10. We have been talking about the spirit of faith. And we've been going into, with the spirit of faith, we've been going into Hebrews 11, looking at all the examples of living faith. And we've been getting excited. Because we have the same spirit of faith that they had. Let us pray, and then let's read and get into the word. Father... We give you all the praise and glory for every good thing in our life. It's because of you we're alive tonight, breathing and doing well, have all the blessings we enjoy. We give you all the glory and credit. Open our eyes and ears to see and hear good things from your word. Quicken us with strength by your spirit in our inner man. Cause us to rise up to another level of faith, another level of pleasing you. By your grace, we'll not be forgetful hearers, hearers only, but we will be doers of what you tell us. And as we do, we know we'll be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Corinthians 4, verse 8. We're troubled on every side. Everybody say, yet. Yes. Yet, not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Say it next time. Cast down, but not destroyed. I'm going to read that again. I want you to jump in on those words. Troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Attacked, but coming out. Amen. Got a pile of bills, but money's on the way. Hmm? Got a bunch of stuff to deal with, but he always causes me to triumph. Amen. That is the spirit of faith. Now keep reading in verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. Same spirit of faith that was in Moses when he stretched out his rod over the Red Sea is in us. Same spirit of faith that was in Daniel in the lion's den. Three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. That same spirit of faith is in us. Same spirit of faith. That was in David when he ran towards Goliath with a sling and a a staff. I mean, it takes some gumption, doesn't it? It takes some faith. A youth, a teenager, to run against a man that weighs what? 400 pounds? 500 pounds? Giant of a man who's been a killer from his youth? And as a a teenager, to, to look him in the eye and say... Yeah, you come to me with your size and your weight and that spear and that sword and that shield. But I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And we're going to take your head off today. That's big talk for a teenager. What made him talk? He didn't say, well, we'll go out here and give it a shot. And just whatever the Lord wants. just up to the Lord. I'm going to go out here and just see what God does. It's just up to him. Well, the story wouldn't be in here. It would have been over real quick. Is that right? Faith is positive. Faith, listen to this now, faith knows the will of God. You cannot have faith to be healed if you're still questioning whether it's God's will to heal you or not. Impossible. And it's your faith that makes you whole. You cannot have faith to prosper and come out of debt if you're not sure whether God wants you to have anything or not. You've got to find out the will of God. First from this book. And then also from the Holy Ghost inside you communing with Him in prayer. Ascertain, find the will of God. Now you've got something to stand on. 
Like Brother Bosworth in his book, Christ the Healer, said, faith begins where the will of God is known. And that's the fact. How many of you couldn't be born again if you're still wondering whether it's God's will for you to be saved or not? At some point, you became convinced. He loved you. He died for you. He paid the price for your sins. He wants you to be saved. And you acted on that. You didn't come and say, well, Lord, if you want to save me, okay. If it's not your will, then don't. I mean, we, if somebody was down here in the altar this evening praying, Lord, save me if it's your will. How many of you would correct them? Well, Lord, save me if it be thy will. If not, not my will, but yours be done. If they're down here praying that way about being born again, how many would say, well, yeah, that's the way to pray. It might be God's will to save you. It might not be. Well, then why have people taken that approach to other areas in life? So I said, well, isn't that the way Jesus prayed? Not my will, but thine be done. He wasn't having a healing meeting in the garden. He wasn't praying for anybody's healing. Wasn't praying about anybody's finances. Did you hear me? Wasn't praying about anybody's victory or deliverance. He was praying about him committing to do the will of God for his life to go through and pay the price. And all of us need to to pray that way from time to time. Lord, if you want me to stay, I'll stay. If you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do. Not my will, yours be done. But if you read the word, you understand it is his will for you to be born again. And it is his will for you to be healed. And it is his will for your needs to be met. Then you don't pray mousy or iffy about it. You do like David. He didn't stand out there and say, well, we don't know whatever the Lord's will is. But I'm just going to go out here. and say, No, he stood up and he said, uh, I'm going to take your head off, boy. Today. Then, then he waxed even bolder. He said, not, not just you, your whole bunch. Amen. We're whooping the whole bunch of you today. And he ran towards him. Ooh, man, ran towards this giant of a man. Why? Because he had faith. Faith in his God. That spirit of faith that was in David is in you. And in the same spirit of faith that was in Peter, in Paul, in Jesus himself, that spirit of faith is in us today. What conquerors we ought to be. What victorious Christians we ought to be. What overcomers. Amen? We ought to be. We'll go to Hebrews 10 and let's continue learning what faith looks like, what it sounds like, what it acts like, how it responds, so we recognize the same spirit in ourselves. Hebrews 10 and 35. Hebrews 10, 35. How many believing with me tonight? I hope you are. I got a lot of notes up here. (laughs) But uh, we just want what's right for right now. And uh, your faith affects this. You know, sometimes people don't realize it when they leave church and go, well, man, that wasn't very good. Preacher didn't do too good tonight. Well, how'd you do? How'd you do believing for utterance? How'd you do? Believing for the anointing. See, this is not just one person's deal here. And this is not entertainment. I'm supposed to come here to hear from God, as are you. You and I together put our faith together. And whether it was me speaking or somebody else or whoever it was, or whatever God, however God wants to do it, we're believing to see Him, to hear from Him, to receive from Him. Amen? Amen. And that's not a one person or just a leader deal. In Hebrews 10, Verse 35, cast not away your confidence. Anybody got any confidence in here tonight? That's what I wanted to hear you stand up and shout a little bit. I wanted to hear see if you had some confidence about coming out of poverty. Huh? Well, you know, I'm just from out in the sticks in Arkansas, and, and we just don't have much. Well, hey, I was from the boonies in Mississippi. I mean, we were 15 miles from the nearest... Little bitty town. It doesn't make any difference where you're from. Yeah, but I'm this and I didn't have that. Well, you can make excuses the rest of your life or you can get in faith and have confidence. Amen. Amen. That God can use me to do some things. God can bring me to that place as well. 
Confidence. Everybody say confidence. He said, don't throw it away. Don't let your confidence get away because it has great recompense of reward. And you, you have need of patience, perseverance, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. We are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Faith is the substance of what? Or expected. And it is the evidence of what? Things not seen. So if it's faith, if you're in faith about it, two things. If you're in faith, it's not yet. And it's not seen. You could also say felt. Seen covers, he's talking about all the senses. It's not perceived by the senses. That's why we we talked about this earlier. People say, well, when I see it, I'll believe it. Does that agree with that verse? No. Mm -mm. No. When you see it, it's too late to believe it. Right? Right? Well, I'll believe it when I see it. No, when you see it, you see it. You can only believe it before you see it. Faith is involved when you don't see, when you don't feel, when it hasn't happened yet. You're still expecting to see it and feel it. You don't see it and feel it. it not yet, not seen. Anybody can say, well, yeah, I see it after it's there. Hmm? Well, yeah, okay. But you know, seeing is not believing. And seeing doesn't produce faith. Sometimes you hear people say, well, if I could see a miracle, I'd believe. I don't think so. I've seen too many instances otherwise. Faith is not based on seeing. Faith and seeing have nothing to do with each other. You're in faith when you don't see. No, my dad was sickly as a child, and he and my grandmother were in one of Brother William Branham's meetings. Anybody know about his ministry? Yes, sir. Much used of God years ago. He's gone home to be with the Lord since then. But uh, he said, just as a boy, or young, young man, he was standing beside a woman that had a huge gorder on the side of her neck in a healing line in, in Brother Branham's meeting. And he saw, right in front of his eyes, he saw the power of God come on this woman standing next to him. And he saw that thing go down like you stuck a pin in a balloon. Just went down, went down until the side of her neck was just flat. Just like it wasn't even there. He said he saw it right before his eyes. And he was healed that night too. And my grandmother was healed. She had a problem with her hand. She was healed that night too. And... uh, he said on his way out, there were some men standing out uh, outside the door there, and he heard them talking. And they said, oh, he just had that framed up. He just had that fixed up. That was just a setup. That was just, you know, they just made it look like that. Well, they saw it, but did they believe it? No, you don't have to believe it. You can see it right in front of your eyes, and you don't have to believe it. You can walk out and go, well, I don't know what that was, but. That was something else. That was, you know, you can believe anything you want to. You don't have to believe in the reality of God's power. Seeing does not cause you to have faith. How does faith come? It comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. The Lord told you something. You haven't seen it. You haven't felt it. It hasn't happened in this physical realm yet. But just because he told you, you said, okay. If you say I'm healed. I'm healed. If you said you meet all my needs, then you meet all my needs. Amen? That's faith. Before before it happens in this realm and before you see it and sense it. By it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered... Fluffy, 
<laughs> Anybody remember Fluffy? Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. That's kind of an inside thing. If you wouldn't hear, you wouldn't know. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous and God testified of his gifts and by it he being dead yet speaks. Does it take faith to give? Yes, yes it does. Well, sure, because your flesh is naturally selfish and you work hard all week for money. You don't just naturally want to give it up. Right? Naturally, you want to spend it on yourself. I'll go buy me something. (laughs) But when you turn it loose, and not only are you turning it loose, but you're happy about it, you're glad about it, you have faith. You don't believe you're just throwing this away. You believe you're sowing seed and there's a harvest coming that's multiplied many times bigger than what this would be. But if you didn't believe that, you wouldn't turn it loose. Many don't. Right? And you certainly wouldn't be happy about it. Keep reading. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. For without faith, it's impossible to please him, God. For he that comes to God must what? Got to believe. Believe that he is and that he, God, is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How many believe if you seek him and endeavor to follow him, he will bless you. Yes. He will increase you. He'll prosper you. He'll heal you. He'll protect you. He's a rewarder. Does it pay to serve God? Yes. Can anybody here besides me testify that it pays? Yes. It pays big. Amen. To ser- Oh, man. <laughs> Phyllis, does it pay to serve God? God has done so much for us. So there's a reason why she's so excited up here. I mean, God has done so much. And we we hadn't had to lie. Hadn't stole one offering. (laughs) Somebody walked in in our house the other day. and, And in this one room, I got a beautiful ivory grand piano. You know, there are not too many ivories around. They're either white or they're ebony. Ivory. There's a whole testimony in how that happened. I won't go into it right now. But And there's a beautiful sculpture. And there's a beautiful painting from Europe. And there's and then the person would ask me, what about all this stuff? I said, every piece in here has been given to me. In this whole room, this whole, the piano, every painting, every, every bronze, every piece of this has been given to me. But why can't I enjoy it? I didn't steal any offerings. I didn't take any, any widow woman's money and, and go, buy, go spend it on that. Just on the piano alone. That was, that was a, a fourth cycle harvest. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. Well, I play piano. To accompany myself and to write and that kind of thing. And uh, Phyllis and I... You know, we were just struggling and, and using our faith. We finally got to the place where we believed we could buy a little cabinet piano. And it took us a while to, to get it. But we got it and, and got it paid for. And in the course of about, was it two years or so? The Lord dealt with me to give that to a person. So we gave that piano to somebody else. Didn't just do it off the top of my head now. I, I, when I thought I was hearing about it, I checked again and checked again, made sure. You can waste your seed. Yes. You can do things you ought not do. But then when it's right, oh, it's wonderful. And we sowed this to this lady. Well, then I went a year without a piano. Well, that's all right. You know, sometimes that's the way these things work out. But listen, I was up in Chicago doing a meeting. And a woman came to me and she said, Brother Keith... She said, I know you probably have three pianos. She said, but God's been dealing with me for a year (laughs) to give you a piano. She said, are you believing for a piano? I said, well, it just so happens that I am believing for a piano. She said, well, forgive me. I just was thinking wrong. She said, I'm going to have you a piano sent to you. And, And she sent me one exactly like what I gave away, but it was ivory. And we had just redone our living room in ivory color. So it matched perfect. She didn't know that. God did. Well, a little while, what was it, two or three years after that? 
We were moving, and the Lord dealt with me about a minister's wife in a time of prayer. He said, she's believing me for a piano. She wants to teach her kids. And, she, and, and I said, well, that's great. He said, how about yours? I said, okay. <laughs> and so we had it moved to her. And I'm just telling you, this was what's, what's happening leading up to this. Well, this, this time I sold, I claimed a grand piano. Amen. Amen. I wanted a nice grand. I wanted a Yamaha. They're nice. They play well. And um, Phyllis and I, where were we? Some, somewhere away from home. And somebody called and said, the Lord has dealt with me. I wasn't planning on telling only this piano story, but everybody in their heart jumped up when I said something about it. They were like, tell us the story. Tell us the story. <laughs> and I think it's right. So we're telling you the story. I uh, had, we'd been believing for like a year or so or two. Was it two or three years? It was, it was a little bit of time that time in between sowing that one and the next one. You know, this is a lifestyle, not just something you try, not just something you do and try out for a couple of days. This is a way of life for life. And uh, we were somewhere in a meeting doing what we're supposed to do. And this lady called and she said, the Lord has dealt with me to buy you a piano. I said, yeah. She said, what kind are you believing for? And I told her, she said, that sounds right. That's what I had in my heart. And a, a, a Yamaha Grand. And, and she said, what color are you like? I said, ivory. She said, I'll check on it. She called back and uh, in, what was it, two th- day or two? And she said, we have searched high and low. We cannot find an ivory anywhere. They can build you one, but it'll take a long, long time. Then they got to ship it, you know. And I, and I said, well, let's pray about this first before we go through all that. So we prayed a prayer of agreement. The next day. She calls. Somebody had ordered one. Was it up in New Jersey or something? And they didn't even know. It was, I think it was for somebody in Vegas. And, and they didn't get it. They didn't take it. And so it had just been sitting in a warehouse. Nobody even knew it was there. Ivory. When we got home from that meeting, it was sitting in our living room, tuned and paid for. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now it's sitting up here in Branson. Paid for. Hallelujah. But God is faithful. Everybody say God is faithful. He's faithful. We see that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe he is. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When you serve God, it pays. Doesn't it? When you obey God, it pays. In verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God, of things what? Not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. To the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Why is Abel in here? Because of faith. How was his faith expressed? In his giving. Right? He had faith to give. Enoch. He had faith to fellowship with God. Right? To walk with God. Noah. Why is he in here? He had faith to prepare. All of these show qualities and characteristics of faith. They show expressions of action of faith. Faith is a giver. Faith is a fellowshipper with God. Faith is a preparer. Faith gets ready. Everybody say faith gets ready. ready. Are you believing for something? How would we know you're believing for it? How would we know that you are really in faith about this thing? You will be in some form or fashion getting ready for it. I said getting ready. Big faith gets ready big. Little faith gets ready a little. No faith just waits and sees. 
Hmm? No faith is, well, I don't want to spend any money yet till I know. I'm going to wait and see. There's a lot of waiters and seers, isn't there? Well, let's just wait and see now before we get carried away. <laughs> Boy, if I'd have done that, you and I'd not be here at Faith Life Church tonight. <laughs> a year ago. Because I, if I'd have waited and see <laughs> how I was going to do this with no, no congregation. I told you I spent a night or two with the calculator and it just depressed me. So I threw it in the drawer. It costs money to get a big place like this. Run it and operate and do what it takes. And, and to not even have a congregation to start with. Well, so well, I'll just wait and see if y'all show up. And if y'all all just start coming to my room and say, we want to have a church. We want to have a church. And enough people bring me enough money, then we'll go ahead and do it. There would have been no faith and it would have never happened. Hmm? So we did. We came and we got ready. Amen. I said, well, we got ready big. We spent money like water. <laughs> we burned the midnight oil. We cleaned and stripped and carpeted and painted and got ready just like we knew some folk were coming. Amen. And not a one of y'all had called me. <laughs> but we got ready. Why'd you get ready? Because we believe we'd heard from the Lord. Everybody say faith gets ready. Faith prepares. Now faith is not a whiner. Faith is not a crier. Single people. I've, I've told you this, but, but let me, I don't care if you're young, single, middle-aged, single, older, single. If you're believing for a spouse, if you're really in faith, you can't lay in the bed and cry about it. Well, I'm X amount of years old and I don't even, I don't know when I've had a date and I don't even have any good prospects. Well, you're full of unbelief. No. If you're in faith and you've asked God for the right person, what would you be doing? You'd be thanking him and you'd be preparing. You'd be getting you ready. What if you met him in the foyer this evening? Are you ready? Do you have your money in good shape? Or are you taking a bunch of debt into the relationship? Have you grown up a little bit? Or you still wear your feelings on your sleeve. You looking good or you still need to lose 20 pounds? Then it could be the mercy of God <laughs> that you hadn't seen them yet. <laughs> and the Lord's given you more time to get ready. Y'all remember what was it last last fall? We talked about the spiritual man, and uh, we talked about we talked about losing some weight. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Hadn't forgot that, have you? No. Me either. I've lost seven of my twenty. Don't forget about this now. Well, I didn't I didn't tell you that so you could clap, but <laughs> it's not just getting it off. You got to keep it off too, you know. <laughs> I've cut out my sugar during the week. That's what I'm doing. Now on the weekend, that's another story. (laughs) But during the week, I'm not eating sugar. (laughs) You need to find out whatever works for you. And if you're just perfectly happy where you are, then more power to you. Great. I'm not telling you what size to be or what weight to be at all. That's between you and God and your spouse and that kind of thing. But if you uh, have said, you know, we talked about this a few months ago. I'm just saying we haven't forgot about it, right? And let's go ahead. If you said you're going to do something, you need to do what you say so you're a person of your word. And just find out what works for you. Boy, y'all got quiet. By faith, (laughs) Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, He was moved with fear. He had respect to what God said, didn't he? Didn't he? And even though there was, we we have things to indicate that uh, it had not rained. 
and he hadn't seen this kind of thing, he still believed it. And expected what God said to come to pass. So his faith was demonstrated in his preparation, which some scholars tell us might have lasted a hundred years. As much as a century he prepared for something nobody had ever seen. That took faith. I mean, you, th- you think about it, you stand and believe God for a two years and it hadn't happened yet. What about adding 98 to that? <laughs> no, faith has to keep standing even though time passes, even though things don't change, the word still reads the same. What God told you has not changed. He doesn't change day to day. So you have to keep stay- standing and staying. For all these centuries, the Lord has not come back. But he is. I said he's coming back. And our faith as a church worldwide is demonstrated in us getting ready for his soon return. If we believe he's coming, we'll be getting ready in every way, reaching everybody we can. Right? So as many get in and get saved before he comes back, keeping ourselves in good shape, ready for him if he comes back tonight, if he comes back tomorrow, that we don't have to scramble, try to get ready and get right. We are ready. Live ready. Live right. Faith is that way. Go to uh, Matthew 25. And let's talk about this a little bit. And verse 10. Well, back up to verse 1. 25.1. What are we talking about? Faith. And faith like Noah's does what? Prepares. Gets ready. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Half of them were wise. Half of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. They didn't bring any extra oil. What does, that, what does that mean? They were not prepared to stay very long, were they? They were all primed and ready if it's going to happen in a few hours. Lack of preparation shows foolishness. Verse 4, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. They had their lamp, you know, like we say around here, coal oil lamp. They had their kerosene in the lamp but they took another container with some extra kerosene in it why'd they do that Hmm? They, they took it because this meant something to them did you hear me the bridegroom is coming and he's gonna call And we don't want to take any chances Hmm? on not being ready. We are prepared to wait as long as we need to. Did you get this? We're prepared. We're going to stand in this. We're going to say this. We're going to expect this. We're going to believe for this. We're going to stay with this as long as it takes. Oh, friend, this is such a huge part of faith. Noah prepared how long? Maybe a hundred years. Everybody say a hundred years. Have you ever, you never worked on anything for a hundred (laughs) years. You never worked on anything probably for 50 years. One thing, worked on it for 50 years before you saw it work. But you can see the same principle in him, can't you? So to speak, he brought his lunch with him. What does that mean? You know what I mean by that phrase? (laughs) We We came prepared to stay, do it as long as it takes, stay as long as it takes, get it done. Amen? Amen. That's wisdom. Verse 5, while the bridegroom tarried. Everybody say tarried. That means time went on. Right? And on. 
And hours went on and time went on. And they all slumbered and slept. They stayed awake long as they could. And eventually all of them were asleep. And at midnight, night when everybody, the hour everybody's sound asleep, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go out to meet him. And then all the virgins arose. They jumped up and they cranked the lamps up. And the foolish said, Uh-oh, give us, your, give us some of your oil for our lamps are gone out. Friend, if you wait to get ready, then you're late. You ever heard somebody, you know, you're supposed to be going somewhere. And they knew you're supposed to be ready at 6.30. And you say, are you ready? Well, just about. What does that mean? Not ready. <laughs> well, I'm getting ready. Then you ain't ready. What does ready mean? Let's go. <laughs> There's a whole sermon right in there. If you're getting ready, you're not ready. They said, give us some of your oil. Can you, in the time of need and crisis, can you pull on somebody else's preparation? Does that work? They prepared. They've gotten ready. You didn't. Can now you say, well, hey, let, let me use your preparation. Doesn't work that way. He went on to say, the wise said, no, uh uh-uh. Lest there not be enough for us and you. You go to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy. While they were getting ready. The bridegroom came. And they that were what? I want you to read that out loud. They that were. Read it again. They that were ready. Went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Who got used? Who got in, who got taken? Who, who, who were involved in the main thing that was happening? The ones that were ready. I said the ones that were ready. It's that way right now today, friend. It's that way in the church. It's that way in the works of the ministry. It's that way in every area. People who are serious get ready beforehand. Amen? Serious Christians pray before they come to church. They pray and sit down and think about their giving. And they don't just throw $5 in the plate. They, according to their ability, they write their check beforehand. And it's substantial and they pray over it. Did you hear me? People that are thinking God might use them in an area, they don't wait to see if that's going to happen or not. They get ready beforehand. I know working with Brother Hagin. The Lord, you know, in, in drawing close to the Lord about my ministry, he would deal with me, get ready. Get ready. When I was in school, my first year of Ramah, he said, get ready. So what, how do you get ready? So I would read and study and pray. And read and study and pray. And then I'd pray. And then I'd study. And then I'd read. And then I'd study. And then I'd pray. And even after Ramah. You know, I didn't have, nobody. people weren't calling me, please come speak for us. Nobody knew me, but I'm getting ready. Why? I'm convinced there's no shortage of places to go and people to minister to. There is a shortage of people that's got something to say when they get there. So what am I going to do? What should I do? I should get ready. How do you get ready? I read and I prayed and I studied and then I studied and prayed and then read Am I exaggerating, Phyllis? That's what I was supposed to do. So, so I mean, you know, that was my thing. And enjoyed it. I don't mean I'm having to make much. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Because I'm getting light. I'm getting understanding. I'm getting revelation. Getting stirred up. Getting full. Amen. And then Brother Hagen began to, you know, use me in different volunteer capacities and this kind of thing. And I could see, well, they, this is coming up. They may need somebody to help in that area. So I'd try to find out what I could about it. Nobody had told me that they might call me ever. Without realizing it, I'd sit on the front row and watch him teach and preach. And I didn't realize it, but I'm watching and I'm checking my heart. Where's he going now? I sense that. What does that mean? How do you interpret that? How do you respond to that? And without realizing it, I'm trying to stay up with him and what he's doing. It was a good thing. 
Because not long after that, he'd call me five minutes before the service. He said, what you doing? I said, well, I'm studying. He says, you probably need to. He said, won't you take the service for me today? I said, yes, sir. Thank you. Click. I got just enough time to walk over there. It's not time to get ready. Did you hear me? If you're not ready, if you haven't prepared aforehand, somebody said, well, I wouldn't like to work for somebody like that. Well, have you ever met the Holy Ghost? Have you ever read instant, in season, out of season? See, a lot of folks, bless their hearts, say, you know, you call them for anything, and it takes them three weeks to prepare. Well, I got to get ready. Well, see, they weren't walking by faith, were they? And there's been so many times, if you'll pray and walk with God, there there's been time after time the Lord would deal with me, study this out, look this up. And I didn't know why, but I did. And then that afternoon, something came up, and I needed to know that, and I'm smiling, thinking, well, I already got that. <laughs> well, there's been times I didn't obey, too, and wasn't ready, and I didn't like that. A lot of times, by the grace and mercy of God, you can make it through, but it's rough. It's hard. Everybody say, prepared. And it just kept, you know, working with him, it just kept on being that way. And more and more until in the last years of traveling with him, I mean, he'd be in the middle of his message. He'd he'd be in mid-sentence and go, Keith, come up here and finish this. And uh, the thing is, I knew where he was at. I knew what I knew. I wouldn't have done it exactly like he did it, but I knew enough about what what the Holy Ghost was saying and doing that I could jump in there and, and, and best I knew how. To do it. But you, you don't wait until, well, we'll just wait and see if, you know, they're going to use anybody. Then I'll get ready, then I'll prepare. No, you prepare beforehand. So then you're ready. I mean, I just came from a flight safety, flight training school. And you don't wait till your engine's on fire in your airplane to try to figure out what to do. And say, get the book, get the book, Phyllis. I see a flame out there. <laughs> I smell smoke. What's the book say? Find the book. <laughs> you ain't got time to look in the book. You need to know, right? You need to be prepared. And so we train. We know there's a W. You go over here. You turn the ox pump off. You go down here and put the fuel on main. Come back up here. Secure the fire engine. Go back here. Turn the fuel back off. Go up here and hit the fire extinguish bottle. Don't even think about it. That's what you do. Because that aluminum is so thin, it gets hot, it'll bend, that wing will come off. You ain't got time. And while you're doing that, you're heading for an airport and talking on the radio. But that if you wait until something like that happened, well, that'll probably never happen. If it ever comes up, I'll figure it out. (laughs) Do you want to ride with somebody like that? (laughs) Or would you rather ride with somebody that's prepared, right? Knows what's going to happen beforehand. And if this comes up, we're ready to do this. Can you say amen? Amen. Everybody say prepared. 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 Hallelujah. Go to, well, hold your place in Hebrews. You still have Hebrews or did you lose it? Go back to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, let's finish reading this, and then we're going straight to Ezekiel 16. Hebrews 11, 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared. Have you got that underlined now? Circled or whatever, star about. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Does it affect your family when you obey God? When you prepare for God's blessings on your life, does it affect your family? I tell you what, there's no question about it. All Phyllis's and my family, our immediate family and our extended family have all been blessed as a result of God's blessing on our life. No question about it. Some of them took them 10 years, 15 years to decide it was real, but they've come in. I said they've come in, they've come in, they've come in. Lives been spared, protected, healed, needs met. One of the greatest things you ever did for your family was obey God. Go all the way with God. 
to the saving of his house. Now get this, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Say that out loud, condemn the world, became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now get this phrase, he condemned the world. Now this this is really heavy stuff here. You have to think about this a little bit, not just let it pass over your mind one time. His act of building the ark not only saved his family, it condemned everybody else. Because it proved you did not have to be full of sin and unbelief. He demonstrated what anybody else on the earth could have done. And his righteous act showed up their unbelief and their ungodliness. And his righteous act was involved in why and how the judgment came. Before you turn to Ezekiel, go to Ephesians. You knew that could happen, didn't you? Ephesians 4. Our life of faith is to be a witness to everybody around about us. It is to be a light. People should be able to see by watching us that it is possible to please God. It's possible to obey God. It's possible to be victorious. Amen? Amen. And in seeing us, they have no excuse. If they say, well, you can't do, you can't live like that. Yeah, we are. You can't obey God. Yeah, we are. Right? They can't tell God, well, no, that doesn't work. No, it's working for us. That's too hard. You can't, you can't keep all those commandments. Well, they're summed up in two basic commandments. Walk in love all the time. Walk in faith all the time. You do those and you'll do the ten and everything else together. You can do it. There are people in the earth that are doing it. Like me and you. Don't disagree with me now. <laughs> like you and I. Right? Well, that shows up. The unbelief. And now, now you got to get ready for this. Because faith is growing in this bunch. Yes. It is. Yes. Faith makes unbelief mad. Yes. If you hadn't found that out, you will. Do you remember when the, when the spies went into the promised land to search it out? And they came back and ten of them brought an evil report. And they said, oh no, it's a land full of giants. It eats up the inhabitants. We're just like grasshoppers. We're nothing. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, "Uh uh-uh, nah. God is with us. Their defense is gone from them. They're bread for us. Piece of bread. Piece of cake. We can take them. Let's do it. And what happened? It made the rest of them so mad, they wanted to kill them on the spot. What made them so mad? Their faith showed up their doubt. Didn't it? In their hearts, they knew that's what we ought to be doing too, is standing up with Joshua and Caleb and agreeing with them. But they didn't want to do that. They're unbelief. They're full of unbelief. And they don't want nobody else talking faith. They want you to agree with me that it's impossible. And when you walk in strong faith, people who don't want to walk in faith are not going to like it. It's going to irritate them. It's going to bug them. Why? Because you're showing them up. And when you live right, and you don't party with them, and and you don't get high anymore, and you don't sleep around anymore, some folk, they won't like it because they think, well, we're all just human, and we all just have flesh, and then you haven't yielded. Well, so you, sometimes you just can't help it, but they look at you and you haven't. It shows, that's why sometimes people, they don't want to be around you anymore. That's not the way they should go. They should come with you. Amen? Amen. Keep reading. He said, verse 3, fornication. This is Ephesians 5, 3. Fornication, uncleanness, 
covetousness. Don't let it be once named among you as become saints. This is Ephesians 5, 4 now. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. How many know that off-color jokes have no place in our mouth? Right? No affairs. You know, it's amazing to me. Some Christians act like it's just normal to have one or two affairs during the course of a long marriage. They're like, well, I know it ain't right. I know it's bad. But, you know, we're just human. We're not supposed to have any affairs. None. 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 You know how many mistresses I've had since Phyllis and I got married? None. None. Don't have to have mistresses. Don't have to have boyfriends. Now, if you've messed up, you messed up, but don't act like you couldn't help it. You could have done something different. If you messed up, you ask God to forgive you. He's forgiven you. You don't have to do it against him. say, well, you're not a real man. I mean, if you're a real man and there's a pretty woman there, then hey, if you're a man, Jesus was a real man. No. You see, a, you see somebody and they're attracted to you and you run after them, it's because you're weak. Your feelings run you and rule you. You're weak. When you're strong, you can have all kind of feelings. But you get a hold of them and you push them down and say, no, that ain't right. No. End of story. You're in control. You're strong. Man or woman. Amen. Our desires do not define us. We're people of God. Our flesh does not run us. We tell our flesh what to do. It doesn't tell us what to do. Sure, you're going to have feelings. Sure, you're going to have thoughts come to you. You don't have to yield to them. You don't have to entertain them. You cast them down. If they come a thousand times in a day, you cast them down a thousand times in a day. And by God's grace, you can live upright. Amen. Amen. He said, verse 5, you know that no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who's an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Don't let anybody deceive you with these vain words. Verse 11. Well, I'm I'm, I'm moving too fast. Verse 8. You were sometimes darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Now get this. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. In all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatever does make manifest is light. The light shows up the darkness. The faith shows up the unbelief. Noah's faith and obedience condemned the whole rest of the world that was rebellious and full of unbelief. You're in my faith. Should be convicting people who refuse to walk by faith. You're in my lifestyle. Not not to brag on ourselves because we couldn't do it. We couldn't stand and resist one temptation unless the Lord helped us and strengthened us. And if we stood where somebody else fell, it's not because we're so superior. It's because of God's grace. And we cooperated with him and believed right instead of wrong. But still... We should live uprightly and live in faith and that is going to be a witness and a light that's going to show up the lack of it all round about us. You know, it was said that, uh, that Brother Smith Wigglesworth, who's a man who walked in a lot of the power of God, it was said at different times, of course they traveled by train back in those days. It was said at different times that, that when somebody would come and walk by his seat on the train, didn't even know him, they'd turn around and look at him and go, my God, man, you convict me of my sins. And kneel down, ask him to pray. Didn't even know the man. Just that kind of light and power was in his life. People who, who want to repent, they'll respond that way. People who don't will harden themselves and just get mad. But it's that kind of thing should be going on and happening. And Ezekiel, do you have your place there? Ezekiel 16. This is important though, isn't it? This is a part of faith too. Noah's faith... 
and obedience condemned the world. Showed the difference between he and them. How many believe there's supposed to be a difference between the church and the world? Supposed to be a difference in the way we live, the way we think, the way we talk. Ezekiel. Latter part of the chapter here. And verse 51. He's talking to his people. He is reproving them because of their lifestyle compared to the ungodly. He says they were haughty, talking about Sodom, Gomorrah, and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Neither has Samaria committed half of your sins, but you've multiplied your abominations more than they. And you've justified your sisters in all your abominations which you have done. You also have judged your sisters, which have judged your sisters, bear your own shame for your sins that you've committed more abominable than they, they're more righteous than you. Yea, be confounded and bear your shame in that you have justified your sisters. What does he mean? They were doing the same things that the ungodly were doing and even worse. And he said, you're justifying them. See, they think it's all right. There's no difference between you and them. There's no contrast. Keep reading. He said you justified them. When I bring again their captivity. The captivity of Sodom and her daughters. And the captivity of Samaria and her daughters. Then will I bring again the captivity of your captives in the midst of them. That you may bear your own shame. And may be confounded in all that you have done. In that you are a comfort to them. See, their life was supposed to be convicting them of sin. But instead, their lifestyle is comforting them. Oh, that's been such a big problem in the church. That you've got so-and-so, and he says, well, I bless God, I think I'm as good a Christian as anybody else down there at that church. I know old, old uh, deacon so-and-so, he lives right down the road from me, and he does the same thing I do, and I think I'm just as good a fellow as he is. And sister so-and-so, I know her, and I know what she does. And their lifestyle is comforting them in their sin. You know, we don't reach people by conforming to their sinful lifestyle. We want to reach out to anybody and, not, and, and, and love everybody, no matter where they're at, no matter what they're doing. But you don't win people by getting in sin with them. You don't win people, you know, by sitting down smoking a joint with them. You don't win people by sitting down and getting drunk with them, laughing at their off-color jokes. Watching X-rated stuff with them. Did you hear me? You'll comfort them in their sin. They'll, they'll come away with the idea, well, it must not be that bad. I mean, they're supposed to be a preacher. They're supposed to be so-and-so, you know, and they're, they're in here with me. Do you see that? Yes. Noah's faith saved his house and condemned the whole world of their ungodliness and their unbelief. Now, you don't want to get into this goody-goody two-shoes stuff. Holier than thou. Right? God said those were a stench in his nostrils. But at the same time, didn't he say, come out from among them. Talking about the sinful and the ungodly. And I'll be a father to you. Cleanse yourself from sin. I believe you have the same spirit of faith in you that Noah had in him. You can have the same kind of impact on the world round about you that Noah had on those round about him, both in your preparation and in your life. Let me pray over you. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and faithfulness. And Lord, I, I did the best I knew how to express these things, but cause everybody to hear what you're saying to them and that there be no condemnation, but just light, light that makes free truth to come up to a higher place and escape the wrong thinking and condemnation of the evil one. Lord, let us be the light and the witness that you intended for us to be. That others would not be comforted in their sin by watching us, 
but that others would be convicted and would have hope to see that you can live above fleshiness and above sin by the grace of God. Let us be the witnesses that you intend. And thank you, Lord, for feeding our faith. And we confess, everybody said out loud, my faith is growing. My faith is getting stronger. I'm growing from faith to faith in God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.